this to a toy because it was important to me. And so I hope that I carry that with me into, into my grown-up relationships, into my ministry, into, into everything that I do. And it's just such an honor to remember that with all of you, my, my new family this morning. So thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to talk a little bit about Mother's Day, aside from my own personal experiences. That, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, giving just got easier. <laughs> End of message. <laughs> okay. Nope. Still not working. Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay. Everything's more. Okay. So, <laughs> thank you. Yay, tech team. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> All righty. We, we have, a, we have um, our, our regular tech guy is out today celebrating Mother's Day. So, there you go. Um, so, Mother's Day has a complex history. Some of you know it, and I won't go into the whole thing, but it's, um, it was started by, primarily by a woman named Anna Jarvis, and it was, it was for peace and for recognizing the bond that mothers have, particularly with soldiers. Um, last night I received a message from somebody who lives in Ukraine, and she was asking us all to say a special prayer for the mothers who had to send their sons into war without being able to kiss them goodbye and for the mothers that had to take their children and leave the country with very few possessions. So because of that and everything that's going on in the world and perhaps even our personal histories, Mother's Day can be complicated. Some of us celebrate Mother's Day with great zeal and great further. Some of us had great mothers. Some of us had mothers that were challenging. Some of us are mothers and we, we love our kids. Some of us want to be mothers and we're not mothers. So, so there's, there's complexity in it, but, but whatever, whatever we feel about Mother's Day, there is something about it that connects all of us. And, and that th there's this, this concept of mother or birth or whatever that connects each of us. So in the spirit of that, I'd, I'd like to invite all of the people that are mothers of either humans or animals or plants to stand up. Would you stand up? <laughs> and let's, let's give you a round of applause. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, but, okay, you can sit down if you want, but I'm gonna ask everybody who has a mother to stand up. <laughs> has or had a mother. Everybody who was born of, born of woman, <laughs> yes. So you see what I mean? It's all of us, it's all of us. Now sit down again if you would. Okay. <laughs> now one more thing. Anybody who has ever given birth to a new idea, please stand up. <laughs> see, now you didn't know you were gonna get an aerobic workout in church this morning, so this is, that was the last stand up. And if, for those of you who didn't stand up, I know you gave, have given birth to new ideas. So that's what I'm talking about, when the concept of birth or mothering connects all of us, because we all are mothers to something. Now, in, in the spirit of some of the joy of Mother Day, Mother's Day, I decided to pick a few quotes that I thought might be helpful for you. Um, one is, when your children are teenagers, it's important to have a dog so that someone in the house is happy to see you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> this is from Olivia Wilde. She said, I just wanted to stay home and party with my son. And by party, I mean, of course, endless rounds of itsy bitsy spider. Look at that. <laughs> Everybody remember that song? Good, I don't have to sing it, okay. <laughs> All right, and then this is from somebody else. He said, my mother said to me, if you are a soldier, you will become a general. If you are a monk, you will become the pope. Instead, I was a painter and I became Picasso. 
Guess who wrote that? <laughs> whoa, 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 Picasso. So those are some great quotes from Mother's Day, but back into the, into the, the perennial wisdom of Mother's Day. Perennial means that it's ongoing, that it, that it pops up everywhere like perennial plants, right? Everything is born. That's the title of my talk today is Everything is Born. Now, I think I, I heard this phrase from, from my husband, Hugh, when he, he wrote a, uh, a one-man play in a book now called The Miracle of Existence, and he, he quoted somebody saying, everything is born. And what that means, it's, it's really ancient truth, but it's also science of mind. It's, it's so beautiful to me how the two link together so beautifully. Everything is born it means that everything that happens, there is, there is kind of a, a trilogy or a trinity in everything that happens. There's an idea that is met by something receptive, and then a new form is created by that. That's exactly what we teach in the science of mind. See that V up there? Doesn't stand for Ventura, does it? Nope, it's, it's the science of mind symbol. And it can stand for whatever you want it to stand for, by the way. But anyway, it's the science of mind symbol that means that spirit imparts itself through this, that center layer, which is a creative matrix, and then some form, it comes out of that. And, and then it repeats again and again and again and again. It's an ongoing cycle. Very similar to what Richard Rohr, who is a Christian mystic, talks about. Uh, Richard Rohr and many, many other mystics is that God itself, the, the infinite spirit, cast itself into the universe to create the world of form and that that, that that spirit became matter so that matter could become spirit. Spirit incarnate itself through spiritual laws to become matter and then matter returns to spirit. Also, from the Buddhist tradition, Brother Thich Nhat Hanh, he talks about the continuity of being. And that's why I've got a chicken and an egg there, because really, which is first? I ask you, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? What? <laughs> what? The rooster. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Jonna. That is the male principle, absolutely exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> But it's funny that you should mention that because the chicken and the rooster and the egg are all one and the same, aren't they? You know, Thich Nhat Hanh, although he did not specifically mention the rooster as John did over here, that Thich Nhat Hanh mentions that, that, that when the chicken is born, is that really the start of the chicken's life? And it really isn't because the chicken was forming itself inside its mother, inside the hen, right? And prior to that, the, the hen was growing up and eating what she needed to eat to be able to, to give birth. And, and prior to that, her ancestors were eating. So, so yes, there is, there's something does come into being, but that thing that comes into being was being even when it was non-being, right? Does that make sense? You know that I'm weird, I'm very paradoxical, and I love this type of stuff, but it's just, it's just to help us understand that permanence and impermanence are part of this great sort of Mobius cycle where all is one, and we are all participating in birth and life and goodness and grace and the, the incarnation into being and form moment by moment, breath by breath. Every, everything that we do is that. It's, you know, I just sort of talked about the, the macrocosm, which is how spirit comes into form, but we are doing the same thing in the microcosm, the microcosm being in the smaller effect. I have the Star of David there because that to me seems like such a great symbol of macrocosm and microcosm. It's two triangles intersecting each other. One is the macrocosm creating form and, uh, and the other is the microcosm pointing upwards back to spirit, right? Spirit creating form, form going back to, to spirit. Same thing with the science of mind symbol. Again, this is the 
descent of spirit or the descent of an idea in the, macro in the microcosm going down through a creative matrix and making a form and then going back up again. Isn't that so cool? Isn't that so cool how we relate to all these other religions? Well, I think it's cool. I don't know if y'all yeah. do, but I think it's really cool. Okay, so the divine gives birth to us so that we can give birth to the divine. Right? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and get this. This is from Ernest Holmes. Within us is the unborn possibility of limitless experience. The unborn possibility of limitless experience. Can you, can you feel that? You know, sometimes we often feel that there is a limitation to what, who we can be or, or what we can do with our lives, but there is the unborn possibility of limitless, again, I emphasize limitless experience, and ours is the privilege of giving birth to it. We get to give birth to this possibility that is within us. Every day can be Mother's Day for us as we give birth to the possibility within us. <laughs> so I guess my question for you this morning, and I, I really would like you to think about this, is, is what limitless possibility, what limitless experience longs to be born within you? Usually, I recommend that people focus on qualities of spirit. You can certainly focus on specifics if you want, but focusing on qualities of spirit, God qualities, such as love, joy, peace, happiness, all of those things, tends to give us more freedom, tends to give the law more freedom. I remember years ago, I went to a practitioner, and um, my, my practitioner at the time that I was, I was working with on a regular basis, and um, she was saying that sometimes when we are too specific in our prayer requests, we'll, we may get it eventually, but we limit the capacity of the law to work to its fullness because we're ki kind of trying to direct spiritual law into a specific form. And so I'm a, I'm a bit, big advocate of praying for spiritual qualities such as joy or abundance or peace or forgiveness or acceptance, kindness, grace, or the big kahuna, love right? <laughs> Praying for those spiritual qualities and then allowing the form to manifest as it chooses to manifest through us as spirit knows the highest and best for our lives. You know, so if I'm praying for greater love, let's say I'm seeking, oh, I don't know, love is not a good choice because I have a relationship. Let's say, let's say someone is seeking a relationship. One of my friends who was a, um, a, a colleague at my former church was seeking a relationship and she was praying for love and it needed to look like this and the guy needed to have this quality and this quality and this quality and this quality. And I said to her, why don't you just pray for love? Pray for love. Leave the rest up to spirit. Leave the rest up to spirit to allow love to take birth, to take form within you and your life. And your life can change in an instant. And it did. She walked into a church, a church not of our denomination. She met a guy. They're married. And the last time I heard from her, she's, it was on her wedding anniversary, 25th wedding anniversary, and she said something to the effect like, if I had known what I know about being married to you now, I wouldn't have walked down the aisle, I would have run down the aisle into your arms. So you see what happens when you let love or grace or kindness or harmony or peace or any of those things do what it wants to do? It frees us up so much, so beautifully, and we can, have, we can have a better birth, a greater birth, a sweeter birth, something that is so much more magnificent than we can imagine. Because, you know, I, I love this so much. I love this because we, all, we always talk about infinite possibilities in this spiritual center, right, in, in this denomination. And so often, 
through our minds, through what is known already, we're putting, we're putting a cap on limitless possibilities, right? Because we're, we're working with the, with the known. If we open ourselves up into just love, which is an in infinite principle, or just peace, or just joy, in whatever way it wants to show up, that rips the cap off of the possibilities, and greater and greater possibilities beyond our imagination pour into our lives. So you're all going to do that from now on, right? Can you hear me? Yeah, you heard it here. You heard it here. <laughs> I'm going to be checking up on you to see. <laughs> Never mind, I'm not. Okay, so let's see what this slide says. Oh, yes. So the way that we do that again is to believe in love, to believe in love, to believe in the principle of love, to know that trust and, and trust in love. Belief is emotion plus thought. And to feel the emotion of love, to feel the thought of love, and to believe in it, to believe in it, and to feel it in ourselves, in our hearts, in our minds, in our beings. As we start to do that, it enters automatically into the creative medium, which some might call the soil, right? The creative medium, that which makes form happen. And then it, it becomes a form or expression of love. But again, we detach from the specific outcome of the form and allow ourselves to stand open to whatever way love wishes to reveal itself to us and through us and by us, by the way. <laughs> Check that out. What do you see there? <laughs> it's um, butting heads, two heads butting. Has anyone here ever butted heads with something or someone? Please, show of pinkies, okay, or a hand if you're, if you're bold, okay. As for those of you who maybe know here, we, new here, we, do a, we sometimes do a show of pinkies if you're shy about something, that way you can just do it privately. But I see that people are bold about affirming that they have butted heads with others from time to time. But you know what's good about butting heads? Whether you're butting heads with another person or whether you're butting heads with something, some obstacle that seems to be in your life, that is a prime act of love that is there for us to develop great insight, great insight into the knowing that obstacles equal opportunities. Obstacles are opportunities to go deeper and to look within ourselves and to see what role we are playing in the head butting, right? get our big butts out of the way <laughs> and we get we get to look within and see how, how what am I resisting what am I pushing against <laughs> somebody out there isn't really enjoying this talk I feel <laughs> very flattered you can, you can hear the laughter outside the door and just look within and see like what what is it how how am I resisting what is longing to express through me and celebrate the resistance as a gift embrace it, and then find the meaning by it, and then do the spiritual work around it that needs to be done, whether it's letting go, or forgiveness, or release, or setting a firm and kind boundary, whatever it is, whatever it is, every time we encounter an obstacle, it is an opportunity for greater insight. <laughs> Another thing that we can do is we can pray the opposite of the obstacle. So if we're looking for love and kindness and we're experiencing, or if we're, and we're experiencing rejection, that's just a stimulus to pray for greater love and greater kindness, right? Pray the opposite of the obstacle, right? Often we don't know what we're looking for, but we're experiencing an, an obstacle, and we can just say to ourselves, what is the, the word of error? What is this, this, this thing behind what I'm experiencing? And usually it's fear. So if we're experiencing fear, we just pray the opposite of fear, which is usually faith or love, right? Something to assist us as we go about our daily lives. This is a chicken, <laughs> another chicken. Donna, and <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and it's in an egg, and the reason I have this chicken up here is a story about how 
why a chicken comes out of the egg. It doesn't come out because it's excited to greet the world. Really, the reason a chicken comes out of an egg is that it gets cramped and stinky inside of the egg, right? And the moral of this story is, is that if there's something in your life that feels cramped and stinky, <laughs> show of hands if something in your life feels cramped and stinky. Okay, <laughs> right, <laughs> or pinkies, yeah, yeah. If something in your life feels cramped and stinky, that is, again, another invitation. It's an invitation to know that constraints are a call for greater creativity. And it's the same type of creativity I've been talking about all along. It's that creativity where we say, okay, what is this bringing up in me? Okay, this is bringing up fear in me. This is bringing up crampedness in me. This is bringing up stinkiness within me. I can change my consciousness. I can change my consciousness and have an awakening to something greater than this, than this, than this, this constraint, right? One of my greatest experiences about that was, um, I'll say this as a dog mom. You know, for, for those of you who don't know me, I ha we have... Mm, like a ridiculous amount of animals right now, and some of them are birds and fish, but um, the mammals have a strong presence in our, in our life. Two, two dogs, uh, two guinea pigs, a cat, and a very demanding 20-pound rabbit. So <laughs> but anyway, when we got our second dog, we'd had one dog for a long time, and we got a second dog, and we live in a small house with all of these critters, and I was thinking, you know what, we really need to move. We need spaciousness, so I'm going to start affirming spaciousness and see what form it takes. I'm going to practice what I preach for a change. No, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> sorry, that just slipped out. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, I'm on a spiritual path like everybody else, okay. So I'm gonna practice what I preach and affirm spaciousness. And I did, I affirmed spaciousness over and over again and I was seeing real estate and I was seeing mansions and in my house there are many mansions and I was, I was living in one of them with my feet up watching television, clicking the remote. But anyway, I was in the midst of a prayer and spaciousness and I had, it to, I had to go into the smallest room of my house which would be the restroom. I went into the restroom and lo and behold, the whole animal kingdom followed me in there, right? Does anybody have dogs or cats that follow you into the restroom? That is like their favorite place because mommy or daddy might be sitting down and there might be scratches involved. And I realized that no matter what spaciousness I called forth in my life, that spaciousness was a state of mind. Because it, whatever, wherever I lived, if I lived in one of Spirit's many mansions, wherever I was, the dogs would be. And the cat. And so I let go of the need for spaciousness in terms of a specific form and just cultivated spaciousness in my heart and my mind. And that, my friends, is using a constraint in a creative manner. <laughs> now I have a question for you. How are you different from a chicken? This is a paradox beyond what this is the greatest paradox I have ever spoken in this church, and you know that I love paradoxi, paradoxes, whatever the plural of paradox is. The greatest paradox is how are you different than a chicken? Is a chicken is not chicken, not afraid, right? Uh. <laughs> Somehow I thought that would be funnier, but maybe not, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, a chicken is not chicken, a chicken isn't afraid. A chicken doesn't judge himself for being in a constraint. A chicken doesn't judge herself for being trapped. A chicken doesn't judge himself for being in a stinky environment. A chicken just says, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting down here, I'm just gonna pull it apart and I'm gonna step outside and I'm gonna be who I am, right? 
This is the moral of this story, people. We don't have to be chicken, okay? We can be more like a chicken by not being chicken. If we are trapped, if we're stuck, if we're feeling a constraint, if we're feeling a barrier, if we're feeling a limitation, we don't have to get all afraid and worked up about it. All we need to do is just say, oh my gosh, goodness, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. I can do something creative. I can pray the opposite of the problem. I can see this as an opportunity. Divine spirit, we can even surrender. How about that? We can say, divine spirit, show me what is mine to do right here and right now in this condition that is calling, being called forth for my growth and for my enlightenment. So that is a beautiful way to practice. And another word for practice is courage. We have the courage, we're not chicken anymore, right? We have the courage to look within, we practice mindfulness, and we question what is being born in me right now. Through the power of my thought, what is being born by this particular thought right now? Do I want the result of this thought? And if the answer is yes, great. If not, if I don't want the result of, say, all these thoughts of fear that I'm having, then change the thought and then rinse and repeat. <laughs> and the most important time to rinse and repeat is when you don't want to. Okay? And I ain't talking about shampoo here. I'm talking about our thoughts, right? Rinse and repeat. Continue to, to hold, gently hold, surrender to the greater thought, even when you don't want to. <coughs> One thing that might help, do you really, like, do we really believe this? You know, we say we do. We, do we really believe this? Are there exceptions to this? Just imagine that your next thought is giving birth to your reality. I know many times... I call upon myself to say, you know, I'm thinking this way and my reality may not be as great as I want it to be because I'm thinking this way, but yeah, this is the exception. I can have this really horrible thought, right? You too? Okay. Yeah, I can have this horrible thought. It's not good. It doesn't apply to me in this moment, right? But think, imagine your next thought is giving birth to a reality and then ask yourself, do you still want to think that thought? If we really get that our thoughts create our experience, the quality of our lives, the quality of our thoughts create the quality of our lives, and we ask ourselves, okay, th this thought is giving birth to an experience of my life. Do I still want to think that thought? And if not, how about if I think a better thought? Are you willing to think a better thought? If you are, then the work is to find it. We don't have to go from zero to 100 in a moment. We can just say, I am willing to think a better thought, right? Okay. <laughs> how about this thought? I am giving birth to a great life right now. Will you repeat after me? I am giving birth to a great life right now, right? Through the power of our thoughts, we are giving birth to a great life. And I'm going to redefine greatness for us, okay? You know, for, for many, many years, I, I believe, and I don't think it's true anymore, but I believe that this teaching was very much about seeking greater matter, right? That's a quote from Brother Joel Goldsmith. We are not seeking greater matter. We are seeking greater consciousness. We are seeking greater love. We are seeking greater kindness. We are seeking greater heartfulness, right? We are not seeking greater matter. And so <sighs> redefining greatness means that we don't, we don't have to have every single material possession that we're craving that we think is going to fix our lives. Redefining greatness is much more like what we heard about in the reading and in the song from Tina. Greatness is the act of sincerity where a little boy creates a lanyard and hands it to his mother. Greatness is also a story that I read yesterday when I was looking up Mother's Day stories where this woman woke up on Mother's Day and her, her husband was there and her husband somehow used to get her a, a cup of coffee every morning and he forgot that morning on Mother's Day. Oh. Okay, <laughs> and she, but she had a sense of humor about it and she was teasing him and she said, honey, you forgot my coffee on Mother's Day. 
And unbeknownst to the couple, the, their little boy, their little five-year-old boy, went downstairs, took some um, coffee grounds. I'm, I'm going to assume he opened up like a Keurig pouch, you know, those things, poured it into a cup, poured lukewarm water on it, stirred it, brought it to his mother, <laughs> and she drank it. <laughs> but she said it was the sweetest cup of coffee she'd ever had. That's what I'm talking about, folks. That's redefining greatness. What is the deepest, sweetest, most vulnerable, most surrendered, most beautiful, most precious, most precious version of your life that you could call up? Your sincere offering, whatever it is. Remember I said that the divine gives birth to us and then we give birth to the divine? Your sincere birthfulness, your sincere offering to the divine, you're your sharing your light and your life. If it's sincere, it will be precious, it will be priceless, and it will be immeasurable. That's what I hold for all of us this morning on this very, very sacred day where we're celebrating mothers and giving birth. So in the spirit of these three words, precious, priceless, immeasurable, I invite you to place your hands over your heart and know that you are precious, priceless, and immeasurable, and then say softly, I am giving birth to a great life right now. Let's say it one more time. I am giving birth to a great life right now. One more time, a little bit louder, feeling your preciousness. I am giving birth to a great life right now. And so it is. Let us pray. 